Okay, we are back. It is Friday, August 12th, and the heat has finally subsided, a little bit anyway. Did get some rain this past week. It's not been as hot or as humid, so it's actually been really nice the last day or two. But thanks to everyone for tuning in. Welcome to the 615 Collector. If you're new to the show, and lately we have had a lot of people that are, my name is Doug Turner, and my partner here is Brandon Turner, and we are your hosts. Um, yeah, we've got a good show for you today. Before we get started, we always like to remind everybody at the top of the show that we don't take sponsorships or get paid by anyone we talk about on our show, which is very much intentional so that you can rest assured the information we provide is unbiased and is not financially motivated. Yeah, so summer is quickly coming to an end. Uh, schools are back in, at least here in, in Middle Tennessee, they are. Hmm. You're not back yet. When do you start back? Like middle of August, well, end of August. I guess colleges. Well, some colleges are back. Soon. I don't know any that are right now. I don't know. All right. Well, we got football season coming up. We're not going to talk much football today. We can give the rundown of the show in just no a minute. No one cares about the preseason. <laughs> well, but it, it is, you, you know, you want to be, you want to get out in front of it, do it in advance. The time to, to time to buy football really was probably a couple months ago. Yeah. But there's still, there'll be some storylines to watch and play out. So the next few weeks, if you want to, Try to take advantage of some things. We'll we'll talk some football more in some upcoming upcoming shows. But today we we're gonna. Well, why don't you give the rundown and then we'll jump in. All right. Um. Yeah. We're gonna start off with mail days. Uh, talk a little bit about the buying and selling we've been doing, which is gonna be all buying. Um. We're gonna debate the best athletes that wore the jersey number of our show number as per usual. Uh, today is number forty-four. Big and, number. Yeah. Um, next, we'll get you caught up on the latest hobby news in the Hafton Report, and then film study. We've got uh, some baseball and WNBA stuff to cover. Yeah. Probably going to be a little shorter of a show today. Yeah. It's been a busy week, work-wise and otherwise. Hasn't been an enormous amount of hobby-related news. And so, yeah, probably be a little bit of a shorter show today. I am excited, though, because we're planning, I guess, what we'll call a, a LCS owner series in the back half of the month of August, maybe maybe bleeding into September a little bit, where we are going to have on as guests to the show to, to do interviews with some local card shop owners, some of the card shops that we like to do business with, and we'll talk with them about how they got started and you know how the national went and how you know what they're seeing in the market and different things like some of the trends and some of the news that's happened with fanatics and tops and all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. We're trying to get all that lined up. Um, probably do a series of about three or four of those in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. We'll post more in our social media channels when we get all of that confirmed. And then let's see what else. Oh, we did make an update to our website too. So we hadn't made an update to the website in a long time and finally got around to making an update. We added the calendar. So our calendar section had been like two, you know, TBD or coming soon, I guess, forever. <laughs> So yeah. it didn't. It wasn't exactly coming soon. It took a long time, but we've been meaning to get the a calendar of card shows and card releases. We don't have card releases up there yet, although we're going to talk about some today. We do have card shows. So if you go to our website, www.the615collector.com, click on calendar, you'll see a couple links there. Click on one that says card shows. It'll take you to a table of all the upcoming major card shows. We do not have every card show going on across the country listed. It is mostly the major ones um, that happen around the country. So like the Long Beach Expo, uh, the Mint Collective, the 
the culture uh, collision, the Chicago Sportacular or whatever they call that, the the Nashville show here, which is pretty big. There's a there's a several of them you'll see there, and there's links to their sites where you can go, and we've got the dates that they're happening, all that kind of stuff. So you can go check that out if you're looking for kind of what the next major show is that might be upcoming. Take a look. If there is a show that you know of that you don't see, please reach out to us. Hit us up, DM us on social media, or send us an email through our website. Let us know. We'll take a look at it. And if it meets our criteria for kind of the, you know, like I said, we're trying to put more of the major shows because there's, if we did every show, there's a bunch of, you know, little shows in probably every city across the country every weekend. So aren't going to be able to get everything in there, but we are going to try to put the major ones. So if you know of one that we missed, let us know. We'll get it added to the site and kind of make this a community effort. And then we are going to try to get some of the card upcoming card release dates listed there as well. So we've got that as a resource. So go check that out. What else? What where, where do we go? Where do we go? Um, let's talk about buying. Buying. Or buying. No selling. Buying do. Yeah. So we did some buying. I did some buying on the actually on the PWCC platform on their weekly auction. Last couple of weeks, they had some cards that I was interested in. So I did pick up a few things. Probably one of my favorite in all of those. Well, I shouldn't say that. They're all there's there's things I like about each of these cards, but. One of the big ones was a 1978 Topps Haven Moses, which probably means nothing to most people. If you're a Bronco fan, that name probably means something to you. Haven Moses was a Bronco, played for the Denver Broncos. Uh, that card is difficult to find in a PSA 10. I should look it up because I don't know. I forget. I had it, and then I don't remember off the top of my head. Let me look that up. Okay, so looking that up on PSA's website, their pop report. Yeah, there are only 16... PSA 10s of that card. Nice. And so I saw it, you rarely see it, and I was like, I gotta have that card. So I did, I bought it. I like, I, I remember watching Haven Moses when I was, I was a wee little kid when he was playing for the Broncos. But um, so that was fun, that was cool. I also got David Ortiz or David Arias. Is it, have we, have we determined how he pronounced his last name before it changed Ortiz? No. Is it Arias, Arias? I have no idea. Arias. I don't know. I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah. Well, his nineteen his 1997 Fleer rookie card has his last name as A-R-I-A-S. Okay. And then he changed it to Ortiz later. So future cards have Ortiz. But I picked that one up in a PSA 10. I got a couple of tennis cards, which we'll talk about a little bit later. We do have some tennis news. So I picked up a couple of Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer cards, which I'm excited about. Uh, probably the bigger ones that I got was the uh, 2003. Remember, a lot of their rookies are in the 03 Net Pro sets and i got the elite serial number to 2000 both of those in psa 10s so i was excited about that i did decide i was going to pick up a couple soccer cards too i don't have a lot of soccer i'm not you know knowledgeable on all the players teams all that kind of stuff but we do have the world cup coming up and so i, I did pick up a 2014 panini prism world cup neymar jr in a psa 10 and then another one pretty inexpensive but I think he's a, you can't even say up and coming anymore because he's pretty well proven, but, and that's Erling Haaland. Haaland? <laughs> I'm going to Holland. Butcher. Holland? I don't know. You're right. I that's think it is I Holland, actually. If there's a I should a. know how to pronounce the name. I just, uh, that's what I would imagine. If it's, he's a, a, if it's two A's in a row, I would, it's probably, I think it's Ha. Yeah. 
I think it is actually. I think it's Erling Holland. I'm not like a. I think you're right. I think it's Erling Holland. And I've actually, and and I say that I've watched him play. I should know how the name's pronounced. I've heard it pronounced a million times, and and for some reason I just can't remember right now. My memory doesn't serve me very well anymore. I guess that just happens when you age. But I did get one of his. It's a 2021 Don Russ Road to World Cup Net Marvels. I like that. Those Net Marvels insert. They have those in several different uh, sports, and I like those. And it was a press proof of his. It was a CSG eight and a half, so not a you know not a high grade, not a well, I mean eight and a half's high, but it wasn't a ten. And I picked it up for cheap. I think it was less than twenty bucks. So I was like, I'll take it for Erling Holland card, you know. And I like the look of the card as well. So anyway, I picked that one up. And then what else did I pick up? Oh, I did get another. So this is a homer alert, but we talked about him. Uh, we said Marcus Mariota, right? It's going to be the starting quarterback likely for the Atlanta Falcons. So here's a little football. But we already talked about Marcus as one we thought potentially one to watch. Atlanta's probably not going to be good. It's going to be challenging. Hopefully they can keep him healthy. But obviously we're Oregon Ducks. He's Oregon Duck. And then he was here for the Titans, played for Tennessee for a while as well. Although I think they kind of – I think Tennessee kind of wrecked him. Probably. But – he had a 2015 National Treasures, which is his rookie. Had an RPA, Rookie Patch Auto, serial number to 99. So this is the quote-unquote true Rookie Patch Auto out of National Treasures. And it was in a BGS 9. And so I picked that one up. I hadn't seen one of those in a long time. It was probably a little on – I probably spent a little more than I wanted to for it, to be honest. I probably overpaid it's probably going to be down in value. I don't know. Maybe if he, uh, maybe yeah, if he has a good year, it'll go up. Uh, it, it could, it, look, it was, it was less than $1,000, so that's not terrible for a National Treasures true RPA. Uh, if he has a great season, it'll probably go up in value. But if he doesn't, then, yeah, it, I probably overpaid for it. But that's all right. I wanted to have one of his National Treasures RPAs in my personal collection. So I did get that one. Uh, I did also add a uh, Yogi Berra nod to my dad's favorite player. Uh, it was the 1956 Tops. I love that set. I not have. I do not have a Yogi Berra in that set. There was an SGC six that uh, looked fantastic, and in the PWCC auction, so I picked that one up. And then there was also one that I hadn't seen a lot. It was a uh, Nathan McKinnon, but it wasn't upper deck. It was Panini called Panini Dominion. Some, I believe it's unlicensed. It's 2013, Nathan McKinnon. It was RPA, Rookie Patch Auto, serial numbered to 99. It was in a PSA 8. Really nice-looking card. And like I said, Nathan McKinnon. I've been wanting to get a Nathan McKinnon. It's a Colorado Avalanche. I'm a Preds fan, but if I had a second favorite team, it would have to be Colorado because of you know, the Denver connection, right? Sure. So, And I like Nathan McKinnon. I think he's a fun player to watch i think the avalanche are maybe on the start of something bigger after having just won the stanley cup we'll see if they you know do more with what they got there but i I was happy to add that one to the collection as well and then i did get i have a few john elways but there was a john elway psa 9 that uh i just had to pick up because it was it looked frankly i'm surprised it wasn't a 10 so i had to pick it up and i did there you go that was the buying. That was a lot of buying. Yeah, it was a little more buying this this past week than what I'd normally done. Uh, I guess it was maybe just the bug stuck with me from the national. And then I did take advantage. I haven't gotten the orders. I did get the orders submitted at the end of July. I guess we hadn't talked about this. So this was, you know, two weeks ago. But when PSA had that 
that promotion they were doing for $18 a card. I did get some orders submitted. I haven't actually sent them into PSA yet, but I do have three orders ready to go. I'm going to send in. I have I have the complete 1971 Topps baseball set, and I've got it in really good condition. It's a tough set to find in good condition because the, the cards are black. There's black border to it, black backgrounds, and so that shows you know any scratch or nick or wear and tear. So hard to get in good condition. I've got a set in really good condition. In fact, there's probably 40 or 50 cards in that set that are graded that are all PSA 7s and 8s. And so I picked out, I think, I don't know, 35 or 40 cards that I think will get 7s, 8s or more or better. And I'm going to get those sent in. And then I also had another, um, I have the, uh, the 1988 Fleer basketball complete set. I've got a few of those graded. I think I've got the... Um, well, I did get the Rodman. I've got the Rodman. That's his rookie graded in a PSA 10. I got. I have Pippen and Jordan in PSA 9s. And so there were several others in that set that you know, I didn't want to send in for 30 or 50 bucks a card. But at $18 a card might make some sense because a lot of them are, I think, have a good shot at getting 10s, probably 9s and 10s, So and some of the bigger players. So there's about 30, 40 cards sending in on that one. And then the other set that I have a complete set of is 1974 Tops, or was it 73? I have both of them. I'm trying to remember which one it was I submitted. I think it was 74 Tops Basketball. And so there's a like a cup. I think there's um, some Dr. J, some Kareem, some I think it, I think Wilts in that one as well. Uh, I forget Pete Mayer. I think there's a few anyway. So I I got about another 30. 35 cards in that set that I that are in really good condition so I'm sending those in to get at $18 a card I figured it makes some sense because I think a lot of those can get decent grades probably sevens eights maybe a few get a shot at getting higher than that which for that set that's not those are those are decent grades so I do have those orders in and and so I'm just going to probably try to get those sent out this weekend and then we'll let our listeners know how that turns out it'll be a while Although we did get some news, we're going to talk about it in the halftime report from PSA about where they are with their backlog. So it may not be quite as long as I was thinking it would be, but we'll see. We'll talk about that later. Where else? Where do we want to go next? Um, well, you want to talk about the order that you have? The other, the one that's been in assembly? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. Uh, yeah, so we may have talked about this a long time ago. I had a 1962 Topps Bucks baseball. It basically looks like dollar bills. And they're different denominations. There's like one dollar, five dollar, ten dollar, and the, all the you know top Mickey Mantle and those guys are in the higher dollar denominations. But I had a twenty card or a card, I guess bucks, whatever you want to call them. I had a twenty item order in with PSA that had been sitting in assembly forever, and that was one I can't remember if I've talked about it on the show or not. But I was I was having a hard time getting answers from PSA why it was still sitting in assembly because I had other orders that I'd submitted after that that using the same economy service that had gone through assembly and already been sent back to me and the order's been completed. And meanwhile, that one was sent in earlier and it was still sitting in assembly. So I was trying to figure out why that was. I think maybe some of it is that the slabs they're going to come in are different sizing than the normal, you know, base card, sports card is. So maybe that was it. Maybe they needed to get the materials. Anyway, bottom line is that's out of assembly it already went through qa1 i checked it today it's on the qa2 quality assurance to check process so that one's probably going to get shipped back here in the next day or two nice and so i'm looking forward to that because i have not seen the grades pop on that one either yet but i think the grades are going to be decent on that 
and I've got that. That's another one. I have the complete set of the 1962 Topps Bucks baseball. And so in high grade, um, that's a, that's a tough one to find. And so I'm excited to get those back. I've been waiting on those a long time. It's been, gosh, probably four or five. Well, I should say I'm spoiled, right? There's guys out there like they've been waiting their order for a year and a half. But, um, yeah, those have been at the economy service for probably four or five months. Meanwhile, I had other uh, orders I submitted in the economy service that got turned around in two to three months. So, anyway, but, yeah, so that one should be coming back. Probably by the next show we'll be able to talk about the what the grades popped on that one and what that looks like. All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and do jersey numbers then. Um, 44. Yeah, today's number 44. So this is a big one. There's a lot of people. I, yeah. to be, so I have to be honest. This when is I was one doing... of the ones that I was thinking about when I said before that I can think of like maybe three or four numbers in yeah. the 40s that are like actually have people. Yeah. Well, I knew a couple of these names I knew, but I, I'd be honest, I had either forgot or didn't realize all the players that wore number 44. Yeah. There's a lot of them. And then a lot of big names. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how. It's going to be hard to choose. It's going to be hard to choose. So let's start off with a few. So we'll we'll do we'll kind of we'll kind of grow into this, I guess a little bit. John Riggins running back for the for a long time for the Washington Redskins. Do we have to say Washington Commanders now even though they weren't the Commanders when he played? He was the Redskins. Them? No, they were yeah. the Redskins, yeah. He was uh part of um that group. What do they call them? The Hogs was his line. I don't know. Anyway, John Riggins, uh, Dick LeBeau, it's another big one, played, then also had a long career as a defensive coordinator with the Steelers, was with the Titans for a while. Mm-hmm. So that's another one, Dick LeBeau. Floyd Little, homer yep. alert, Denver Bronco, running back, back in the day. Uh, some basketball names. We have Danny Ainge. Yeah. Played with the Celtics, wearing number 44. Just made, like... <laughs> Like now a GM and is like the master of just stealing things from other teams. <laughs> Who's he the GM for again? I forget. He's, uh, he think he's the GM for the Jazz now. He he oh, was yeah. the one that just pulled off that um, the the Rudy trade. Oh, <laughs> got all right. The, that just got all that stuff for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, nice. Uh, Derek Coleman's another name in basketball blast from the past. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one that I've always liked, George Gervin. Oh, I, oh, I love George Gervin. Smooth as silk. I need to find Ice more Man. film of Gervin. The finger roll. It's so yep. nice. Uh, another homer alert, Denver Nugget, Dan Issel. Was a center mm-hmm. for the Nuggets for a long time. I believe, he's in, I believe he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, I think so. He's, he's a 75 list guy. Yep. Yeah. Pete Maravich. Yeah. Big name. Imagine how much he could have averaged with a three-point line. Yeah, that's what he, I always would, would he always was the, think about because he was Steph getting Curry like forty before Steph Curry. Yeah, he was getting like 40, 50 point averages in like college and stuff with no three point line. I mean, and yeah. he was a shooter. It's like imagine, imagine how many points. Yeah, he would have averaged. Ridiculous. It would have been huge. Paul Westfall is another one in basketball, big name. And then another big name in basketball, Jerry West. Yes, I mean, I mean, he, that's he is the logo of the NBA. Of this list, right? honestly, but yeah. He's the logo he of the is, NBA. He is the logo. Great player, great, probably one of the best talent scouts too. Yeah. And then we go to baseball. I'm gonna. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, mean, let's work up to it. So we got current day players. Jordan Alvarez mm-hmm. for the Houston Astros, putting together a potential MVP caliber season. Certainly going to be in the conversation. Uh, a blast from the past. One that I always liked for the Cincinnati Reds, Eric Davis. That guy. He he was a player. Uh, another one that 
most likely, I think, is probably the MVP favorite right now. There's going to be a the MVP race is going to be tough this year in baseball. But current player Paul Goldschmidt, we're going to talk about him in film study. He is putting together one heck of a season. Now he's always been a good player, but man, he's putting together a heck of a season, and so he's certainly going to be in the MVP running. He now I should I should clarify he's with St. Louis. He doesn't now he doesn't wear 44 with St. Louis, but when he came into the league, I think it was 2011. He with Arizona, and he was with Arizona um, for I don't know many years, probably seven, eight, nine years. Uh, he wore forty-four with them, so I think he qualifies. And for this list, and then you have uh, here's one: Jason Isringhausen, relief pitcher. Uh, he was a stud. Willie McCovey for the San Francisco Giants in baseball. A few pitchers: you had Roy Oswalt, Jake Peavy. And then another current player, but again, he wore 44 with his former team, Anthony Rizzo, who's with the Yankees now. He doesn't wear – but when he was with the Cubs, he wore 44. And of course, mm-hmm. he was with the Cubs for most of his career. He's only been with the Yankees for the last couple of years. Uh, and then you have some big names in baseball. Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Mr. October. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest name, Hank Aaron. Yeah. Hammerin' Hank. I mean, look at the, this it's list is huge. There are, there are so many good names. And then hockey. Now, hockey didn't have as many. There was only really, I mean, you could probably make a case for a few other, but really the biggest one, I think, was Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger, he was the uh, really the first blue liner since Bobby Orr to win the Hart Trophy in his back when he played, and so which is the essentially the, the MVP of the league for the regular season. This is a, yeah, this is an interesting list. It's a lot of older players, a lot of legends. It's a lot of legends. I almost feel like we have to, like, you know. I can't pick. That's what I say. You can't pick one. I almost feel like we have to change our our stance here and say we get to pick multiple for this. There's just too many legends to not recognize several players. If I'm going to pick one, I'm probably going to pick Jerry West. I'm a little biased, obviously. If I wasn't, wasn't, I'd probably pick Hank Aaron. Yeah, I'd have to go I'm a little biased because of Jerry West. But he is the logo, I mean, to be fair. He is. Um, And (laughs) I have a lot of respect for Jerry West, both during his career um, and after his career. Should we start referring to the logo man cards as the Jerry West cards? No. No, they just logo man. (laughs) Just the Jerry West cards. Yeah, well, Michael hey, Jordan's forget, Jerry West Jerry card. West LeBron's was the guy that, Jerry um, West card. <laughs> yeah, no, and don't forget, Jerry West is the guy that uh, drafted Kobe, or at least made the trade to get Kobe, made the deal with Charlotte to draft him and then trade him. Nice. Um, at, at like like thirteen or something like that. So, you know. Yeah. No one else was willing to bet on like a high school kid at that point, but Jerry West was. Yeah. And, you know, it was Kobe. So. Well, I would have to go Hank Aaron if I'm going to pick just one. But, yeah, I mean, Jerry West is Pete Maravich, George Gervin. I also like, you know, someone like Reggie Jackson. I mean, how can you not? Gosh, and all these players. I mean, this is just a a loaded list of really good players. And there's some that I didn't even include on this list, So in part because there were a lot of pretty good players that, didn't made Warren 44 for just a brief stint like one year maybe their rookie season or maybe their last season or whatever with yeah. the team but they weren't really known for that number they were known for a different number so I didn't include them on here but in theory this list could be longer for people that just wore 44 at a point in time but and you can't forget about Pete Maravich either I mean no I mean Curry before Curry he's so like he's so so old school a lot of people just don't even really know who he is but like 
for real one of the best players ever. He just died really early, unfortunately, but really, really fantastic player. If he played in a different era, I mean, just imagine. So definitely, I mean, if I was going to pick four, it would be those two, Jerry and Pete, and then obviously Hank and Reggie. And by the way, I'm looking at the card ladders index on Pete Maravich. There's an example of a player that's up. Now, remember with these indexes, got to be take a little bit with a grain of salt, look underneath the hood, see what cards are driving it. But the index itself over the last year, while everything else is, you know, flat or down a little bit, is up 172%. We've talked about how some of the vintage basketball stuff was undervalued. But if you look at his, I believe his rookie card, is his rookie card in the 70 tops? I can't remember off the top of my head. But I'll look at his, yeah, let's look at his 70... Actually, let's look at his 71 tops. I like his 71 tops, That just in terms of the the actual picture on the card and so forth. So in PSA 10s, there's only seven of those. So we won't look at that. There's not been enough transactions. But in the PSA 9, the pop count is 141. And the most recent sale about a month ago was $1,180 for that one. And over the last year, that is up about, eh, it's about flat, up a couple percent. But, but pretty well flat. It had been as high as $2,500 in uh, the spring of this year, like March, April this year. And uh, and then now is sitting down, like I said, last sale is just shy of $1,200. For a PSA 9, pop count 141 with only seven graded higher for okay. a top player like that. I mean, to me, that's why I say I think that's a little, think about that, what that would be like in a in baseball for a vintage player like that. Yeah, that's crazy. I think it's a little undervalued personally. Well, you give, I mean, again, give basketball a little bit more time. It is still a relatively young sport, to be fair. Yeah, true. Um, so, true. you know. And, of course, I mean, Hank Aaron's a good example. Anything Hank Aaron is relatively expensive. You can pick up maybe some of his later years uh, cards for not quite as much, but a lot of his stuff is is pretty spendy his uh his rookie card is is it uh what is it is it 54 tops i should know off the top of my head yeah 54 tops is his rookie card and in any grade that's going to be relatively expensive just to give you an idea even in a psa 1 which is the worst grade you can get the last sale which was just a few days ago was $2000 for a psa for the worst grade you can get on his 54 tops rookie two thousand dollars and then if you go up to something more i'll call it investment grade so let's say a psa 7 i kind of view 7 and up as more investment grade so in a psa 7 last sale on that about a month ago just shy of seventeen thousand dollars and if you're lucky enough to have one of his cards in psa 10 you are one of two people because there are only two of those in existence and there hasn't been a sale of that those two cards in 10 years. The last sale was 10 years ago in May of 2012 for just shy of $360,000. Card ladder estimates it might sell for $3.1 million if it were to go today. Interesting. Yeah. Could it go for more? I would sell it for more. Yeah. Well, it might, actually. We're, we'll talk about where some of these cards are going in auction today. So maybe if you brought it to market today, it would potentially sell for more than that. Yeah, that's a lot of good names in that list. A lot of people I would like to like meet personally on that list. Yeah. A lot of Unfortunately, a lot of those you won't be able to. Yeah. But like, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of really good, good names on that list. 
Reggie Jackson, let's let's both pull his cards up while we're talking. I believe his rookie's in, is it 1969 Tops? Pretty certain that's his rookie card. And that's another one that's, you know, a little on the spendy side. So we'll go to a PSA 10. There's only one. One <laughs> PSA 10. And it actually sold just about a year ago, February of 2021, for just over a million dollars. So let's drop to a PSA 9. There's 40 of those, and one sold just a few months ago in May for just shy of $69,000. So there you go. Good Lord. What about Jerry West? Should we look up Jerry West? Go for it. All right, so Jerry West, let's see. It looks like, is it 61 Fleer? It's going to be his. That's probably going to be the card, right? That's That's an iconic basketball set right there. A PSA 10 I don't think even exists in that. There's 28 PSA 9s. There was a sale of that one a few months ago in May uh, for about $69,000. And in a PSA 8, there's 155 of them. A couple months ago sold for just shy of $17,000. Feels undervalued. It feels undervalued. It does. Vintage ba- Some of that vintage basketball, I'm telling yeah. you. Hey, yeah. look. That's that's interesting. It <laughs> Most interesting at Jerry West like uh, stories to me is the fact that he went to the finals like nine times before he won it because he, he you know they kept going up against uh, the Celtics teams with Bill Russell um, nine times he went to the finals before he won I mean that's crazy we talk about how LeBron's been in the finals like you know you know nine times in like the 2010s. Well, that was kind of Will Jerry, Chamberlain Jerry too, right? West, yeah, and those Lakers-Boston teams all did that um, I think Will for like Chamberlain a whole decade. was the same because he kept losing to Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. And I remember Shaq told a story that he was he was like super, super mad like the first you know few times he got to the finals and didn't win it. And like Jerry West had to like come and calm him down. Like that's the, like the first thing he said is like, Shaq, like I went to the finals nine times before I won. Like, <laughs> like chill, you're good. And Shaq was like, okay, okay. Yeah. Speaking of Bill Russell, so, there was some news. You want to... Should we share on that? Yeah, sure. Um, the NBA has decided to retire the number six, um, which is Bill Russell's number, uh, league-wide. So he joined, he's now the third player in like all of major sports um, with uh, Wayne Gretzky, I'm pretty sure, and... Be Jackie Robinson. Yeah, Jackie right? Robinson, yeah. 42 and 99, which are retired uh, in their respective leagues. So now Bill Russell's is going to be the third like league-wide retirement in any major sport. Players who are already wearing it can continue to wear it. I think there's like 12-ish players. LeBron's one of them. Uh, Alex Caruso, Kristaps Porzingis, those are the ones I know off the top of my head. They can keep wearing it, but otherwise they're going to retire it. Nice. So Has LeBron said if he's going to keep wearing it or change? I have no idea. I would imagine he'll probably keep wearing it, but yeah, yeah, cool. That's nice. That's a good a good honor for the legend Bill Russell, Mr. Russell. And all right, so you want to move on to the halftime report? Yeah, let's go ahead. Okay, so we've got we don't have there wasn't a lot of hobby news out, although we do have a couple of breaking news items that literally broke right when we were starting to record the show. One we'll cover in the film study. One we'll cover here in the halftime report, but we'll get a couple of smaller news items out of the way first. So last time we talked about how Live Golf, some players with Live Golf start sued the PGA Tour. Um, well, the PGA won that first legal battle against Live Golf. A judge in the U.S. District Court denied a motion from Live Golf members seeking to participate in the FedEx Cup playoffs. 
Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, and others tried to become eligible to play in this weekend's FedEx St. Jude Championship in Memphis. I've got a couple of buddies I work with that are at that, that went to that tournament today. Uh, but that was denied and uh, giving the PGA their first win against Live Golf. So going to be interesting to kind of see how that, like that drama too. continues to play out. You know, I don't know if we mentioned this last time. I saw something about Live Golf um, offered uh, Tiger like more money like a contract that was like more money than he's made in his entire career. <laughs> he turned it down, um, obviously, but yeah, they're just, just like, trying to it's throw money at everything. Like, yeah, that's what I'm like. I was, I was like trying to think like what? Why are people even going over here if they want to go back? And it's like, oh well, they're probably paying them like ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. Um, but so it's just I don't know, it's weird. at what price? I mean, weird to me. it is, and and it is a little you know, especially for some of these guys that are already doing pretty well financially for themselves on the PGA Tour. Hey, the more, <laughs> you always go for as much as you can get. I don't know. I guess, At some unless, point, unless, right? unless you're not going to sell you your know, soul. Unless it costs you, you know. But yeah. like, if you, if it's worth it to you, I mean, hey. I guess. This, this is your career, so. Yeah, you know. I suppose. But then they own you, right? Do they? Depends. I don't know. See, I don't know what the situation is. Yeah, I guess. All right, well, let's see what else. I'll take the next one real quick because this is Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos ownership group was announced. The NFL approved the sale of that franchise to the Walton Penner ownership group. Six members in that group, four of which are women and or minorities, thus giving the Broncos the league's most diverse or diverse, depending on your preference, ownership group. Included are the Walmart heir, Rob Walton, oldest child of Walmart co-founder Sam Walton, his daughter Carrie Walton Penner, and her husband Greg Penner, thus the name Walton Penner Ownership Group. I think we talked about before Condoleezza Rice is also a member of that group. And then a couple of names that I didn't, I guess I didn't realize were part of it. Lewis Hamilton is part of the ownership group. He is the winningest Formula One race car driver in or Formula One driver, I should say. I don't think you say race car driver. <laughs> anyway, but the winningest Formula One driver in history, Lewis Hamilton, owner, part owner of the Broncos. And uh, Melody Hobson, which is, she is the president and co-CEO of Ariel Investments, fantastic investment firm, by the way, founded by uh, John Rogers. She's also the chairwoman of Starbucks. Hmm. So... Pretty impressive ownership group of the Broncos. So now all we need is Russell Wilson to do his thing and take us to the promised land. Yep, I suppose so. And get a few Super Bowl wins. All right. Um, Serena Williams announced her plans to retire from professional tennis. Um, she was reluctant to do so, by Yes, the way. Uh, no timetable was given. Um, she does plan to compete in the upcoming U.S. Open. Uh, she has 23 Grand Slam championships, U.S. Open, French Open, Wimbledon, and Australia Open. Um, which is one ahead of uh, Steffi Graf and one behind um, Margaret Court all-time. Yeah, on the all-time list. And uh, eBay actually reported that collectibles of Serena surged 968% on their platform on August 9th, the day of the announcement. Trading cards in particular saw a 713% increase in sales. By the way, that's increase in volume of sales, not price. Or pri The prices didn't go up 900 and. 68 or 713 percent that was just the volume of sales but i could i, I suppose i could look up let me because i there has been a little bit of an increase in her stuff i believe let me see if i can find her her index here on card ladder all right so serena williams so 
Yeah, her and I, I thought this was the case. Her, if you look at the last three months, I mean, her index is really flat. Um, didn't really budge or do anything. And again, you'd have to maybe look at particular cards. One of the more popular ones, it's a higher pop count because there's over 2,800 of them, is the 2003 Net Pro. It's the one of her on the clay court. So it's got that kind of orange clay court background. In a PSA 10, the last sale was $121.50. Now that was up. That was a pretty big spike from what it was. So let's let's pan in, as they say, instead of panning out, because that card was selling for around $80, pretty routinely, say between $60 and $80, until what, maybe a, that announcement, the day of the announcement, because then uh, on August 7th, it sold for $73. Then on August 9th, which is the day she announced, sold for $95.50. And the next sale after that was $121.50. So it did see a little bit of a pop in at least that card, and I'm sure several other of her cards the day that she announced that. Now, will that sustain or not? Who knows? Let's look at another one. Her her Elite Glossy, there may not be, yeah, see, there's not going to be enough sales in that one because that one's serial numbered to 100. That's the one that's kind of the big card. It sold at auction back in April of this year in a PSA 10 for over $58,000, which I think was a record for any Serena Williams card at the time. There's only 29 of those in the pop count. Even in a PSA 9, there's only 18, and the last sale was in June for a little over $11,000. So can't really pick out any discernible trends on that one. So probably just going to have to use the, the 2003 Net Pro. And like I said, if you look at that in the PSA 10, definitely got a pickup of maybe you know, 50, 40, 50% increase in the last month after the announcement of her retirement but she didn't set a timetable no she just so, uh, she just said she was approaching the end of her career yeah and she was was didn't seem to be happy about it she said if she was well i would man, imagine she wouldn't have to do this and choose between family and career and so well, how old is she you know i don't know she's got to be getting pretty old right like what's pretty old to you well like for an athlete <laughs> pretty old is like you know late 30s into the early 40s I want to say she's 40, and yeah, yeah, yeah it looks so like that's she's what I 40. I thought she was about 40. Like, yep. that's... Approaching it's tough, 41. It's tough to keep playing when you're that old anyway. Well, she's um, approaching... She'll be 41 in September, so yeah. that's close. When's the U.S. Open? It's coming up... And Is that end of August, early September, sometime in that time frame? So she might... She'll be 40 or 41 when the U.S. Open comes. By the way, speaking of that, we also had in here Roger, Roger Federer's birthday was this past week, August 8th. He turned 41. Yeah. See, I guess... I mean, if you have the energy... Yeah, you can keep playing for sure. But, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, she's reluctant. I would be, too. But, like, just age-wise, I mean, she's got to be approaching the point where she's just not going to have the same energy anymore anyway. Yeah, well, so, and the same ability to recover yeah, and exactly. recuperate and all that. But, yeah, I'm hoping we get the chance to see Federer in one more Wimbledon next year. Yeah. He's he'll, He turned 41, so he'll still be 41, but he'll be approaching 42 at that point in time. All right, let's move on to some grading company news. We, uh, we had one piece of news that had been out, and then another that just broke as we started recording. So the first one is that CSG uh, announced that they are, they've got improved turnaround time. So their bulk submissions are now at 30-day turnaround from 40 before. Economy-level submissions are 20 days from 25. Standards are now 10 days down from 15. And the express submissions are now at 5 days down from 7. Although, remember, none of those turnaround times are guaranteed. That's just kind of where they're at based on their 
order flow and capacity and all that kind of stuff. Not surprising, we've talked about this a lot, how this trend is probably going to continue because you got all this increased capacity with these grading companies and as backlogs get cleared and CSG does not have a backlog, you know, PSA I think is the only company that has a real significant backlog remaining and as those backlogs get cleared and new submissions don't necessarily support the capacity, you're going to have to start seeing, you know, one, you're going to see turnaround times increase. Two, you're probably going to see prices come down and some promotions run to try to increase orders. So we'll see how all this plays out. And along those lines, we did get breaking news as we started to record from PSA. They announced that, you know, we already talked about the volume they did in July. Well, they announced that their existing backlog is now under 1 million cards. So that's a pretty big announcement because they are doing in July they did about a million cards and they've been doing about I don't know 850 to 900,000 cards per month in a couple months leading up to that so that means their backlog is now one month so they should have that backlog probably cleared if not by the end of August certainly in September the backlog will be cleared and then it'll be focused on the new submissions and I'd imagine that $18, it'll be interesting to see where they're at with that, how, how many orders they got with that $18 per card uh, promotion they did and how long it takes them to turn around that stuff. Because they did say, I think, that that these, um, I think it was that so that promotion as well as the value service, well, they were not going to get to those until their backlog was cleared. So now it's looking like if their backlog gets cleared in August or September, they're going to start getting to those. So maybe those get turned around a little quicker than people were initially thinking would be the case. All right, let's All move right. on. Fractional? Yeah, fractional buyout offers. Um, this one is good, by the way. Something we like to see more of to signal a bottom in the high end of the market. Um, we have started to see some of the fractional platform offerings begin to pick up in performance. A lot of them have been in steady decline for a long time. But recently, there's been an uptick in a number of them as investors seem to be betting that the bottom may be near or they just got too cheap where it made sense to dip their toe into the water. Liquidity remains an issue that these platforms need to try and improve. You can drive a truck through the bid-ask spreads on a lot of the offerings, but hopefully that's something that improves over time as they grow their user base. Yeah, I've looked at, you know, when I've looked at a lot of these trying to take advantage, and we've talked um, on the show about some opportunities that people could try to take advantage of. Some of them are hard to take advantage of because there's just not the liquidity. And so you go and you say, okay, the last trade was X, you know, say, let's say making this up, right? It was the last trade market value was 100,000 on a card that recently sold for 150. But then you go in and try to buy it and there's just not enough shares available to buy at that 100,000 level. So even though that was the last trade, you can't necessarily buy there. Now that some cards you can, some cards have the liquidity, but others don't. So that's something that hopefully they can improve upon. But so there were two offers. Uh, why don't you take the first one? I'll take the second one. Okay, so Collectible received a buyout offer of $90,000 for their 2009 Upper Deck Exquisite Michael Jordan Flashback Patch Autograph Card. Good Lord. It was graded 8.5 by BGS and serial numbered out of 23. Um, <laughs> the card came public in April of this year for $165,000. It had traded down to a low of just over $60,000 and was trading at $75,900 prior to the offer. However, the offer was rejected by shareholders. Yeah, kind of no surprise there that it got rejected. Even though it was an increase, the, the offer was a you know bump from the current value. 
that's still down quite a bit from when it came onto the platform. So uh, on the flip side, Otis received a buyout offer that uh, for $72,000 for their 1981 Topps Joe Montana rookie card in a PSA 10. That card came public at $30,000 in January of 2021. It was trading at about $63,000 prior to the offer. And that offer was accepted by shareholders. Did we talk about that one last time? I feel like we may have talked mm, about that one last I time. I think we did. But, but and know, in full disclosure, I, am an, I was a shareholder in that one. I owned that one. And to be honest, I was a little disappointed because I felt like that card had, I think the person that bought that for 72000 look, 70000 a lot of money to spend on a card. But there had been sales of that. Now, the recent sales were kind of in that seventy two, seventy three thousand. I think there were two sales. But prior to that, sales were up in the you know hundred fifteen, hundred twenty thousand dollar range. So, you know, I was I was thinking there might be a little more upside in that card. So I hated to see it go, but did turn a profit. So we'll get some cash and redeploy that into something else. But yeah, there you go. As we see, that's the other part of this. I, this could be. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of buyout offers on these fractional platforms. So now that we're all of a sudden we've seen a couple of buyout offers come in. You're starting to see, like you mentioned in your comments, that there's been an uptick in the values on some cards on these platforms. It's kind of suggesting that maybe you're starting to see some early signs that things are getting a little cheap and it's attracting buyers in to, to these things. I've actually thought about this myself a couple of times. There's been a couple of cards on the fractional platforms that I've thought, man, I, I, maybe I should go in and just make a buyout offer on that. Probably get rejected, but... You know, but some of these, I mean, not the, I don't have that kind of money to spend on the really high dollar value stuff, but some of the more mid, you know, dollar value stuff, there's kind of some interesting values out there right now. But th this is a signal that maybe things are getting close to the bottom. I think, I think, and this, this is what I'd want to look at more for. If you start seeing more activity in the fractional platform, I'm not, I don't know that that's a leading indicator, but it is, it's a data point, right? There's, you got to kind of look at all these, what data points do we have available that we can look at that help us kind of determine trend and direction. And I do think the fractional platforms can help with that. If we start seeing more buyout offers and we start seeing some of those values start to tick up because they've been in that long steady decline, like you mentioned, then maybe that's a sign that things are starting to get, you know, maybe getting near to a bottom, starting to turn the other way. I don't know. We'll see. All right. The card releases. Yeah, let's move on to card releases. Um, I'll start. So 2021 to 22 upper deck black diamond hockey. Each box has one pack, six cards per pack. Um, we don't have pricing, but we believe it'll be around 350 to $400 per box. These also may contain the popular exquisite collection insert cards. Yeah, those are some of the highly sought after ones in that one. Twenty uh, Panini has their 2021 select NFL uh, hobby boxes coming out. The first ones will be the first off the line edition. That's going to be released next week. And then the non first off the line will come after that. The first off the line starts at $2,500. Remember, that will be in Dutch auction format. So the price will tick down about every three minutes. Each box has 12 packs at five cards per pack. So a total of 60 cards in those. All right, uh, 2022 Panini Mosaic Draft Picks Collegiate Football will have two packs per box and 15 cards per pack. It's $500 per box. Yeah, that one's probably, you know, the, the collegiate uniform ones are not as, uh, not as in demand as pro uniform ones. So it'll be interesting to see how that one does. They, um, I think that one, if it's not out already, it's coming out this week. The other one Panini has is their 21-22 Obsidian Basketball NBA. This is pro uniform. One pack per box, so a pack like you like to say. Seven cards per pack. 
pricing hasn't been set yet that I've seen. I think it's probably going to be somewhere around $300 per box. And then I, I do also touch on this next one, and then you can take the last one. Panini has a new release coming to baseball this year that it's called 3 and 2. This one looks interesting to me. There's some really nice, now again, it's not licensed, so, you know, take that into account. But there are what appear to be some really nice patch autograph cards in this one. Some of the cards look well designed. Uh, boxes are going to have just one pack, five cards per pack. Like I said, I'm not sure on the timing of the release or what the price is going to be. It's it's a new product uh, this year, again, called 3 and 2. I think it's one maybe to, to look out for. We'll see how uh, – some of it will depend on how how it gets priced, right? If, it, if they price it too high, and then maybe it's you know not going to do as well. But if it's priced right, it could be an interesting one to look at because, like I said, I saw some pictures. You can go on their website. I think they have it on their website. Um, some preview of what some of the cards will look like and there's it's some there's some nice looking cards in there so that's going to be potentially a, a fun one to to rip all right and then finally the 2022 tops clearly authentic baseball each box will have one encased autograph card and it looks like they'll be coming in at around 85 dollars per box yeah all right well let's move on to some auction company news last time we talked about the one of one jerry west 2020-21 Panini Flawless featuring Golden State. It's Jerry West. The Logo Man. You like when it did? Yeah, Logo Man card. This had the Golden State Warrior stars, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and a PSA 10. That auction ended. That card sold for $372,000, including the buyer's premium. And that golden auction also had a 2009-2010 National Treasures Steph Curry RPA. It's called the Century Platinum. It was serial numbered four out of five, graded nine on the card, 10 on the auto by PSA. It sold for over a million dollars, a million, $80,000. So Steph Curry, if he wasn't before, I can't remember if he's had a million, I think he has, but if he wasn't before, he's now in the million dollar club. Nice. Yeah. Um, There is the Heritage Auction of the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle and SGC nine and a half, the current bid. Um, with buyer's premium is at 7.62 million 7.62 million so i put a poll out on our social media today asking because there's a lot of people that think this will be the first 10 plus million dollar sale of a card or at least publicly known sale of a card maybe there's been one that was private nobody knew about but um and even at that 7.62 i think it's going to be the highest sale because i think 7.25 uh, Honus Wagner that Golden just sold was the highest before that. But anyway, so we put out a poll. Is it going to hit 10 million plus? And right now we've got a bunch of votes in on it right now. It looks like about close to 80%. I think it was 78% said yes, 22% said no. So the, the verdict right now is pretty overwhelmingly that people think it's going to hit 10 million. That auction doesn't close until August 27th. There's still another, what, 15, 16 days left to bid on it. Hmm. All right, so do some card ladder record sales, and then we'll jump into the film study. Yes. So a couple of uh, Mickey Mantles right out the gate, 19. Maybe this is as a result of that 52 tops that's being auctioned at Heritage, but uh, the 1956 tops, this was the grayback. Mickey Mantle in an SGC 8 sold for a record $19,000 via eBay. You had a 53 Bowman Mickey Mantle in a PSA 1. Again, worst grade you can get, sold for... Uh, 1200 let's call it $1,273. It was like $1,272 and change. We'll say $1,273. And then here's one that some, you know, some of our listeners may have this one just laying around, right? A 1978 Tops Paul Molitor and Alan Trammell rookie card. 
in a that's a popular one in a PSA 8 that sold for a record $885 and then I will say we've talked about this last few weeks I need to maybe put together a post on this with all the different cards someone is every week there's another two or three 1987 Fleer basketball PSA 10 cards that have set records someone and they're all like different names of like you know I'm making this Terry Cummings and I don't know I'm making it up but you know not like random players yeah kind of base so I think someone's going after that there was a 1961 Fleer Wilt Chamberlain in a PSA seven and a half that sold for $38,400 via PWCC and let's see there was a oh relevant to the the Bill Russell's passing there was a 1957 tops Bill Russell and an SGC5 that sold for $17,401 via Golden. There was a 1978 Topps Nolan Ryan. This was an interesting one to me. Just sometimes you get these random Nolan Ryan cards. Like it's not his rookie, right? That's the 69. 70's popular, or popular. 71's popular. This was just his 78 Topps in a PSA 9. High grade, so pop counts are low, but sold for $5,655 and some change. So Nolan Ryan continues to be very popular, and then one last one I'll mention yet a nineteen. Why, why? Hold on. Why? Why do we sometimes have these weird amounts where there's like cents involved for like one or two of these? Because they're like just, ninety-five makes sense, but like fifty-five, like why? They're just they're the what they won on the eBay auction, the price. Someone oh, I put guess, that in, in an auction. Yeah, in eBay, like okay. with the big auction houses, they won't let you bid in pennies like that. Uh, eBay, see. you can do that. You know, okay, the big auction houses will make you go in certain dollar increments depending on where the uh, car, you know, where the value of the card is. So it might start off low, like maybe it's five dollar increments or dollar increments, but then as it grows in value, all of a sudden it might be, you know, ten dollar or hundred dollar increments and that type of thing. But with eBay, uh, you can actually put in. You know, they still have some increment thresholds, but you can put in like, let's say you get to $100 and the increment is now two and a half bucks on the bid. Well, you could put in like 102.73. Okay. You know, something like that. So that's why you see some of that. The last one we'll mention is 1997 Metal Universe Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. This is the PMG, Precious Metal Gems. This is the red, serial number to 90. It was graded eight and a half by BGS. And it sold for a record $28,800 via Golden Auctions. All right. Uh, well, I think that does it from the halftime report. So let's move on to film study. Okay. Well, we'll start with baseball. We got a couple of uh, interesting notes to get out of the way first. And then we got some breaking news, too. Some pretty big breaking news. But a couple of interesting notes. First of all, um, people may or may not have heard about this. There was a St. Louis Cardinals prospect that hit for the home run cycle you know what the home run cycle is Chandler Redmond was the guy's name he's in double a ball he the home run cycles he hit a one run homer a two run homer a three run homer and a grand slam which is obviously a four run homer in the same game versus the cycle which is a single double triple and a home run so he got the home run cycle he went five for six in that game with 11 rbis the majors, Major League Baseball never had a home run cycle. It's only been done once before in the minors. Hmm. Coincidentally, here's the interesting thing. This is the int- It was done by another Cardinals prospect back in 1998. Um, Tyrone Horn, I believe, is the name of the gentleman, and he was also in AA. Uh, Ch- Chandler Redmond is 25 years old. 
he was a 32nd draft round or 30, 32nd round. round draft pick, I should say. <laughs> in 2019, that was when the draft lasted up to like 40 rounds. Now I think it only goes to 20. Goodness. And uh, this game, though, raised his average. He was only hitting 228 prior to that game. Now he's hitting 242 after that game. Nice. Uh, Pujols, he hit his 687th career home run. Doesn't look like, I don't know, unless he gets really hot, doesn't look like he's going to get to 700. But he is fifth best all time. He's now just nine behind A-Rod, who's got 696 for fourth best all time. But he did set a record. An all-time well, no, I'm sorry, he didn't set it. He's one behind a record, all-time record that Barry Bonds holds, and that record is this latest home run came off of. He's now hit a home run off of 448 different pitchers. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. If you think Lord, about it. That's a lot of 687 pitches. home runs against yeah. 448 different pitchers. So he's now just one shy. Barry Bonds owns the record. Barry Bonds hit home runs off of 449 pitchers. So Poole's just one off. If he can get two more pitchers the rest of the year that he hasn't hit one off of, he'll he'll uh, surpass Barry Bonds for that record. Interesting. Yeah. Let's see. What else are we going to do? A couple other records. Um, Otani. I mean, the guy sets her every week we're talking about. We said, like, every time Otani gets on the field, you're going to see something you hadn't seen before. Well, now, this time... He's the first American League pitcher since 1972 to throw six scoreless innings and hit a home run in the same game. And for those wondering, Dave McNally was the one that did it back in 1972. Coincidentally, on the exact same day, on August 9th, so 50 years ago, he did it for the Orioles. interesting. But that was before the DH came into the league in 1973. So, which is one of the reasons you haven't seen it, right? Because you haven't had players, you know, the pitchers have not been hitting in the American mm-hmm. League. Anyway, uh, Otani also passed Ichiro to now have the second most home runs in Major League Baseball by a Japanese-born player. Hideki Matsui is first with 175. Otani now has 118. I would imagine if he stays healthy, he'll probably surpass Hideki Matsui. And he also now, Otani meaning, has back-to-back seasons with at least 25 home runs and 150 strikeouts i think he might be i don't have that in the notes i think it might be the first player to ever do that in history interesting and then uh, one other thing we'll note here the braves called up their top prospect von grissom i think is how you pronounce his last name he's just 21 years old hadn't even played in triple a ball yet he was tearing it up in single high a and double a ball this year and in his first game with the big league club he went i mean what a first game two for four home run two runs two rbis oh and a stolen base and that's his major league debut very impressive very good very impressive now i don't have his card stuff up maybe i'll let me look that up really quick while we're talking he's probably not in card ladder probably too new i might have to go to like sales history to look up his stuff so he's got there's he's got some stuff it looks like bowman 2020 uh was his first bowman and I'm looking at a autograph. This was raw. Looks like it sold a couple days ago for around two hundred dollars, give or take. These are these are raw, not graded. I would imagine most of his stuff's not going to be graded. And so yeah, so there you go. So his his first Bowman 2020 Chrome Auto selling for around two hundred bucks in raw form. Okay, then we had some breaking news that we should touch on. So this is for the Padres. 
not good news for the Padres, not good news for the player. Uh, Tatis Jr., it was just announced as we started recording, so I don't have all the details in front of me, but essentially he got, uh, he got a suspension, 80-game suspension for violating the uh, PED, the league's PED, performance-enhancing drug policies. He tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug, and so now he's going to be suspended for 80 games. He's still on the injured list, by the way, so before he starts serving that, he's going to have to be activated. I wonder if they just activate him to get that to start getting that counting. Yeah, probably. I mean, I would activate him immediately, is right? It does, does it not count if he's not activated? No, I don't think so. It doesn't. I don't oh, think the yeah, clock starts counting until you activate him. You're like, oh, yeah, he good. So they have 48 games remaining this season. Um, so he'll be out the rest of this season. He'll be out the playoffs. Big hit for the Padres, who just went out and made a bunch of big moves. You know, with Soto and it's Brandon a, Dury a good and thing they have Soto. Josh Hader. It's a good thing they got Soto. Although yeah. they weren't playing with uh, Tatis anyway. So. Yeah, but he was he was slated to come back here yeah. like any like literally any day. He was slated to be back here pretty soon. Like we were talking before, kind of like kind of odd that you get performance enhancing drug and you weren't playing. But I guess it just recovered. Pro- yeah, my guess is he was probably just re trying to rehab it quicker, recover a little bit faster, so he can come back a little faster. Is my guess. Yeah. Because if you're basically good enough to come back at that point. I mean, I guess it would, you know, it, it would make sense to, to use that sort of thing just to let your body re- and like, you know, the sore spot recover a little bit faster between whatever you're doing. Um, I'm assuming he's doing like, you know, practice games and stuff, or at least like some like tough workouts, I would imagine. So to have that, you know, try and come back in time for the playoffs could be, yeah. you know, that's probably what it was. Yeah, that's tough news for the Padres. Like you said, at least they have Soto. And let's follow up on this because, remember, we've talked about the, the hitters that hit behind Soto might be the ones to watch. Well, here's the updated stat. Since the Padres went out and got Juan Soto, I think August 2nd or 3rd was his first game with the Padres. Here's what the Padres hitters are doing that are hitting directly behind him in the order. They're hitting 406, over 400 batting average, 13 for 22, with seven runs, seven RBIs, and two home runs in eight games played so far. That's the stat line for those people hitting directly behind Soto in the order. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the they benefit. Don't need, they don't need Tatis this season. Although he would sure help, good Lord. Yeah, he would. He would help. Hey, it's a good thing they brought in Soto. And then I wanted to touch on one last one, and then we'll talk some WNBA. But I wanted to touch on Paul Goldschmidt because – you know, we we probably haven't given him his due. We've talked about him a little bit, I suppose, but probably haven't given his due just in terms of the kind of season he's putting together because he is really making the case for an MVP. Here's where he stands, and this is all major in all of baseball, not just in the NL or the AL, right? I mean, he's in the NL because he's with the Cardinals, but um, this isn't just by the league. This is for all of baseball. He is second in batting average at 332. He's fourth in RBIs with 87, seventh in home runs, third in runs scored, first in on-base percentage, third in slugging percentage, third in hits, third in OPS, which is on-base plus slugging. So, I mean, he is just, he is absolutely having a fantastic season. I am telling you, I don't know, we're going to have to maybe take one of these shows and talk about the MVP race in baseball because who are you going to pick, right? I mean, you got in the AL, you got Judge, you got Alvarez, you got Otani, you got, I mean, there's a bunch of, and then go to the NL side, you got, I mean, even someone like Freddie Freeman on the NL side, or you got, I mean, Goldschmidt, maybe the one that's going to run away with, but there's, 
there's a bunch of players on both sides making some pretty strong cases for an MVP bid this year. So maybe we need to take some time to talk about that. I did want to take a second to um, to look up uh, Paul Goldschmidt's cards. Well, let's look at his player index first because he's one where the player index is a pretty decent representation because there's only like three cards. Technically, there's only one card. It's just in three different grades. And when you look at his player index, it's def- his performance has definitely been reflected. So over the last year, he's, his, his index is up 100 and f- let's call it 45%. But I'll, um, let's pan in. The last six months, 133%. The last three months, it's up 180%. And so here's a good example of, yeah, while the rest of the market's down, there are still opportunities with players that are having outstanding seasons and good storylines and so forth. Talk about whose cards can do well. And by the way, his cards were also, you know, depending on the card, not that terribly expensive. So his the card that is in this index is the 2011 Tops Update card. And in a PSA 10, there are 1,349 of those in the pop count. The recent sale was $175. But that is up from three months ago when it was selling for about $100. You know, like what we said, 80, 80% increase, 70% increase, something like that. So, and then, you know, six months ago, that card was selling for about $80. So more than doubled from where that card was six months ago. So that's a good example of where there is some opportunity. It's also a good example of where a lower value, right? In, in not everything has to be expensive, right? That wasn't a terribly expensive card six months ago at $80 for a PSA 10. That's now worth, you know, regularly trading above 150 with the last trade at 175. Um, he does have some more, let's say, more expensive stuff. Let's go look at his his sales history. He's got a Bowman Chrome. So his rookie cards in the 2011 sets. I'm going to look up the Bowman Chrome auto on his. And in a PSA 10, that card just recently sold. In fact, it just sold today via eBay. So I don't know if this has been confirmed sale or not. But anyway, for $475. And I'm just looking here. Yeah, there are some refractors in a PSA 10 that have sold for over $1,000. So he does have some stuff that's more expensive. But there you go. You can get his rookie card. His rookie, Well, I don't know if I'd go chase it right now, but it's a good example of where there's some opportunities still um, for the performance that players are putting on the field. Definitely. Should we go to the WNBA? Yes. Playoffs? Yeah. Playoffs. Yeah. Well, there's a... Uh... There's two spots left. Um, Dallas did clinch the sixth seed. However, um, Arike Ogumbawale um, is going to be out for this season with a hip injury. So, who? Kind of unfortunate for them, Arike. I know she's the best. Pl- she's the best player on Dallas. Seemingly the only player that's like been able to make the All Star team from Dallas the nice. past few seasons. But like. Um, so she's out for the rest of the season? Yeah, with the hip injury. And I, I saw the game. I watched the game where it happened. It didn't really look like something, like the actual like impact to me didn't really look like something that would put you out. Like she needs like surgery, I think. It didn't look to me like something that you would need surgery for. But I mean, she was clearly in like a lot of pain after it. It was just, hmm. I, I mean, she kind of, I think like one Tore girl. ligament or? I don't know. One girl was going up for the, re- it was a contact. Um, play Mm -hmm. one girl was like either trying to save a ball out of bounds get a rebound something it was a hustle play and just kind of uh, I guess fell into her hip Um, it was like a hip to hip 
check the side of one girl's hip into I guess the front of Arike's from what I saw it was just like you know a contact thing to me it looked like it wouldn't be like that big of a deal but evidently it was but that kind of sucks because they've had such a good run up to this point trying to get um, into the playoffs and then getting all the way to the sixth seed yep um, to have their best player go down like that so yeah and we but, met- but they are hey they clinched the sixth seed so they got the six now there are some other teams vying for playoffs that are in similar boats that have had been hit by the injury bug. The uh, So the other five teams that have clinched are Chicago, Las Vegas, Connecticut, Seattle, Washington, and then Dallas has got that sixth spot. There are two spots left, and there are essentially four teams competing for those two spots. That's Phoenix, Atlanta, Minnesota, and New York. All four of those are currently tied one with of the those, same record. One of those will almost surely go to Atlanta or New York or both because they play each other like twice over the next few yeah i think there's only two games left they literally play and they literally play each other at least one of the they may have already played one of them but one of them they play tonight yeah um so one of those i would imagine will surely be in that and remember new york is new york is sabrina inescu Mm -hmm. and then but phoenix man talk about talk about another team that has had some blows this year so Phoenix, pretty much every star for Phoenix is now out for the season. Now, if the season started, remember, they were the team. That's the team that Brittany Griner played for. So season started with her being out, being detained in Russia. Then, uh, not d- earlier, maybe a week or so ago, there starred uh, Diana Taurasi, who we've talked about. She, I think, is the all-time leading scorer in the WNBA. Yes. She's now out for the season with a quad injury. Yeah. And then I think just last then, night, yeah, Skylar Skylar Diggins-Smith, who's the leading scorer for the team, she's out. Now, if she didn't say she's out for the she's, playoffs. She's, she's out, out for, for the regular season. Yeah, for personal reasons. But there may not be playoffs. Exactly. They, you so, know. It's going to be, you know, Phoenix – Exactly. So yeah. So they they kind of yeah definitely would have wanted her to finish out uh, the season, try to make the playoffs. I'm not sure if they will now, um, just because of all those hits. But I mean, hey, remember uh, Phoenix was in the finals last year um, against Chicago. Going to be hard don't forget to re- that. It's just like they've that just with those three players. Exactly. I they've mean, just had issues with obviously uh, Brittany Griner. Um, now Tarasi's you know out. Uh, I I find it. I see. I, I don't really see a lot of scenarios where they actually do make the playoffs with all three of them out. I don't know who Minnesota played. They only they Minnesota, all only have either one or two games left. Minnesota, I know, plays Seattle tonight. Okay. So, I mean, interesting opportunity there. But speaking of Seattle, Seattle honored Sue Bird in her last home game. She's the league's all-time assist leader. She's a 13-time All-Star, a four-time champion. And Seattle had a record crowd in attendance for that final home game. I think there was something like I don't know. I want to say twenty thousand people or more. Yeah, it was a record for, for any women's like sport, like any women's sports uh, game. I think. Yep. Definitely WNBA record. Yeah. So that was cool. And Seattle, uh, you know, that arena record. Yep. And then a couple of um, notable achievements from some names we've talked about in the past. So one is Candace Parker. She becomes the fifth player ever with six hundred career blocks. And she's now the only player with at least 6,000 points, 3,000 rebounds, 1,500 assists, and 600 blocks. She's the only player that's in the top 10 all-time in all four of those categories. So that's pretty impressive. And then, uh, by the way, did you see that? Did you see that fake she put on in the other game? The highlight when she the, pa- the, the two pass fakes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I yeah I was watching that game live. <laughs> was... That was funny. 
And uh, Sabrina Ionescu, uh, Homer Alert, Oregon Duck, became the first player to post at least 500 points, 200 rebounds, and 200 assists in a single season for the WNBA. Only two players have even reached 500, 150, and 150. And those are, by the way, Candace Parker is one of those, and then Cappy Pondexter is the other. Remember, Ionescu was the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft. Hey, if Liberty were good, she would absolutely be in the MVP conversation. Yeah. Like, she, she'd I, probably win it if the Liberty were good. <laughs> um, yeah. Interesting. Well, they had nice performance from their bench the other night. Yeah. I'd like to – hopefully they get in the playoffs. They have a really tall center that's like has a, that's like a really, really good three-point stroke. Um, I don't know where she's from. Her name is Han Zhu. I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna guess, but uh, from Asia somewhere. Um, who's I really I think I think she's still pretty young. She seems like a pretty good like X Factor player. Yeah. Who could definitely grow a lot. Uh, one of the one of those really really you know tall centers that can shoot the three is yep. always interesting. The, I think the WNBA playoffs are going to be really interesting to watch. Hopefully, I do hope selfishly that Sabrina gets in because then you, then you got a lot of it is kind of disappointing well, that you got some do, big names that aren't going to be there. But there's a good chance the Aces Liberty matchup, which is yeah, or even you know the Sky Liberty matchup would also be fun just because, I mean, uh, like those, yeah, the Liberty are going to come to play against any of those teams, so it'd be it'd be good it'd be fun to watch a player like uh, UNESCO go up against those teams yeah you got a lot of star power players that are going to be in the playoffs so it's going to be fun to watch and as we've talked about before we've we've shared some of the card values on some of these players i do think there's some opportunity long term for some of the iconic players like a candace parker like a you know well you can't really say sabrina's iconic but hopefully she's on the road to becoming so even some you know someone like a sue bird Maybe even a Tarasi as as the league leader. There's a, there's several others that we could maybe talk about, but and we have in the past some of their card values. But um, so yeah, all right. Well, I think that's it then. That's all we got on film study. Like I said, we'll do some. We didn't do much football. We'll we'll start getting into football maybe maybe on the next show. And we've got a few different things we want to try to touch on in some some future shows. So and then we've got we got the local card shop interview owner interview series to look forward to as well. That's going to be fun. All right. Well. Thank you to all of our listeners. Hope you enjoyed the show. And I guess with that, Brandon, you want to just take us out? Yeah. Um, Also, again, thank you to everybody. Um, Hope you enjoyed the show. Please reach out to us. Give us your feedback. We do want to hear from you. Uh, We use that to make the show better, bring you more of the content that you enjoy the most and find the most valuable. So let us know your thoughts. Also, check us out on social media. Um, Follow our our, uh, pages and channels. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. Yep, please tell your family and friends about us as well. Encourage them to listen to the show and follow us, as we always like to say, on your podcast outlet. We appreciate it when you do that. That's it. Show number 44 is in the books. Thanks again, and we will see everybody next Friday, same time, same place, here on the 615 Collector.